Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. I'm excited to welcome to the podcast today, Say Kwan, Vice President of Customer Experience at Cisco. Today, we're going to be talking a bit about some of the trends that Say has recognized related to customer experience and how he and his team at Cisco are adapting to meet and uh, exceed with, with the new and evolving circumstances. Say welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for the opportunity to be here with you. Happy to have you. It is um, my Thursday night and Say is Friday morning. So I was just telling him before we went live that I'm jealous that he's uh, a little bit closer to the weekend uh, than I am. Um, so say Happy before, Friday. <laughs> happy Friday, yeah. Um, all right, so before we dig into to the topic, tell us first a, a little bit about yourself and your history with Cisco. Okay, um, so I grew up in uh, Sydney, Australia, uh, and I went to the University of Sydney and studied uh, computer science there. And I joined um, another company before Cisco as a programmer, software programmer, spent a few years there, and then I joined Cisco. When I joined Cisco, it was 1996 um, as a call center agent in the technical assistance center. Uh, and when I joined, I thought about what can I do to get ahead in a company like Cisco? And I looked around and there was a certification called CCIE, Cisco Certified Internetworking Expert. And I did that and then I became an engineer in the technical assistance center. Uh, and then I had the most amazing um, career in Cisco over the 24 years, which I can go into more detail if you want. Yeah, and, and you and I, when we spoke before, you know, we talked about how, how great it's been for you having been with a company for that long, but never having gotten bored or, you know, feeling really the need to go anywhere else because you've been able to do a lot of different things and continue learning and growing and expanding your skill set and, you know, having a lot of new experiences. Um, you feel free to, to tell us a bit more. I, I would love to hear it. Yeah. So, um, in a, I'll, I'll give a short summary first and then I'll go into a bit more detail, but, uh, in, in um, in a short summary, 24 years, um, I probably didn't have uh, the same role for more than two or three years at a, at a time. So every two or three years, my role was changing. Also, I worked, um, had the opportunity to work across four different countries mm -hmm. um, in roles that were country leadership role or regional leadership role. So it's just been really exciting. A lot of opportunities um, were there, whether it's moving to another country or, or doing a different role. Uh, one of the first um, big opportunity I had was in uh, year 2000. Um, that's when Korea was going through an internet boom at that time. Uh, the government was really um, encouraging the service providers there to roll out the high-speed internet in Korea. Uh, so our business was um, doing very well over there. And we needed to set up a Korean technical assistance center in Korea. So they asked uh, me to, Cisco asked me to go to Korea uh, and set that up. And that was a um, huge opportunity for me because until then I was um, an engineer. Uh, that's when I became, uh, had the opportunity to manage, uh, lead a business, uh, build a business. Um, 
it sort of felt like a venture within a company, venture company within a company, mm -hmm. because I had the opportunity to build a business plan, uh, put the processes in, hire people, uh, and set up the technical assistance center in Korea. So I did that and I spent about four years in um, Korea, um, just making sure that the whole uh, technical assistance center was uh, settled in. And mm -hmm. then I passed it on to a local manager and came back to Sydney. Um, then spent uh, six years in Sydney doing various reg uh, regional roles, um, like Focus Technical Support, which is a premium service for um, the, the top customers where we have mm -hmm. uh, that, dedicated engineers and operations managers to support them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in uh, 2010, I had the opportunity to go to Japan and lead uh, technical services in Japan, which was another, again, another huge opportunity. I never imagined I'd work in Japan because I don't speak Japanese. I don't have any ties or any background there, mm -hmm. uh, but went there, uh, had a great time, uh, re really big business in, in Japan, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, and the people there were fantastic. So I spent about two and a half years there. <clears throat> Excuse me, really enjoyed uh, working there, uh, helped grow the business. I uh, was involved with uh, some of the recovery efforts um, during the big Japan earthquake uh, mm -hmm. as well, uh, which was uh, really good to uh, give back. And then um, came back to Sydney uh, at that time, I did uh, something called service enablement, which is sort of like a business development role, but um, really focused on new services. So whenever we would launch a new service, this team would go in there, build a plan on how, how do we enable sales? How do we accelerate and just get the ball rolling? And then once it's um, the business is up and running, then it, it goes, you know, the sales teams take over. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to lead uh, technical services for APJC. Uh, that's when I moved to Singapore about three years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and then about two years ago, we went through a huge transformation in Cisco from Cisco services to customer experience. Um, that's when we realized that we can't just have uh, reactive services. We needed to be thinking about the whole life cycle of the customer's journey, mm -hmm. right from the pre-sales to uh, design, implementation, onboarding, adopt, and to, and to support, and then to renewal as well, because mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure that uh, we were helping the customer all along their life cycle as they use their solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where I am now, but it's been a, a really exciting 24 years. Yeah. Well, I think it's really cool that you've been able to spend that much time uh, with Cisco and, and always, you know, feel challenged and, and feel satisfied and fulfilled. Um, I mean, it's, it speaks to, uh, you know, when you have a, a good gig, right, just, just hang on to it and, and keep, um, you know, having those great experiences. I also always think it's interesting when I speak with someone who's in a customer experience role that has had a long tenure with a company, because I think it gives you a unique perspective of how customer needs and expectations have evolved over time. And, you know, for someone like yourself who has worked in different regions of the business, different areas of the business, it gives you a unique perspective on, you know, some of the, the ideas of how Cisco can adapt to, to meet those needs. So, um, so very cool. So let's talk a little bit about that. When you and I connected previously, um, we talked about Cisco's journey toward being a more solution-centric business, right? Which is a journey that a vast majority of, of companies are somewhere on. 
Um, and, and you mentioned the customer journey. So I know, you know, we talked a bit about how you, you at Cisco over the last, um, you know, little while have noticed um, some areas in the customer journey that, that you needed to evolve to meet some, some new demands. Um, so I know that you've kind of restructured the business um, a bit to meet those. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about the evolution of what the customers are needing from you and, and how you're adapting to, to meet those needs. Yeah, so if I look, if I go back to when I started with Cisco 24 years ago, we were basically selling um, hardware boxes, right, with, with software on there, but it was being sold as a product, a hardware product on its own and services attached to that. Um, and then we realized that customers uh, were not buying just that box. They were buying mm -hmm. a solution, essentially. It's many boxes connected together, but it's a solution. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I can't remember exact time, but um, it was in the, in the 2000s. Uh, that's when we introduced what we call solution support because we didn't, you know, we had many different types of products in, uh, that made up a solution and the customers sometimes were getting very confused in terms of, okay, where is the problem lying when they had an issue, right? Mm -hmm. So we introduced solution support where we said, hey, Mr. Customer, you don't have to worry about where the problem is. You just call us when you see the problem, we will do that searching for you and find out where it is and, and hide that complexity for you. So that's one of the evolutions we had in the early stages. Uh, the other one was, uh, you know, I talked about the focus technical support before the premium um, level service of, mm -hmm. uh, services where we have dedicated engineers and operations managers. That's another one that we introduced um, in the, um, in the 2000s uh, because we realized again that the customer, when the customer calls us, we spend a lot of time just trying to understand the customer's network environment, the IT environment. But when you have a dedicated engineer and operations manager that already understands the customer's environment, when a problem occurs, that troubleshooting and finding that um, root cause and the resolution becomes so much faster. Right, mm -hmm. so that's um, another one, and also, um, you know, I'm going to talk about a, a bit more later. But um, services, um, you know, although it's around technology, at the end of the day, it's all all about people, mm -hmm. and having dedicated people that that knows uh, that know, not only knows your infrastructure but has a relationship with you as a person is also really good because uh, when you don't know the person and you're in a network down situation, uh, you're under pressure, you know, I'm talking from a customer perspective, you're mm -hmm. under pressure from your bosses, uh, things, can, things can get really um, heated. But when Absolutely. you have someone you can trust in mm -hmm. Cisco, that you, that you know that he, uh, you know, he knows my environment, right? Uh, that's when you can have a much, much more productive and constructive um, discussions and, um, you know, troubleshooting so that you can find the resolution faster. So I think that's, um, that was a, a really good service that the customers liked. So that was in the early stages. And then we um, looked at um, all the intellectual property that we had collected over the you know, few decades of service that we were providing to our customers. Mm -hmm. And we used, we um, realized that a lot of the question, you know, basic questions were repeated over and over again. So we put that in online and made 
uh, made it possible for the customers to do self-service. Mm -hmm. um, that made, uh, made it um, possible for us to focus our engineers onto the most complex issues. Mm -hmm. uh, for the simpler repeatable issues, customers can come in and um, just get the answers uh, through self-service online. Um, and which it, it allows us to provide a more cost-effective service, but also allowed us to focus our, um, our top engineers onto that complex issues that the customers really needed the attention on. So that's the, that's the other evolution that we did. And then um, we also looked at um, uh, an analyzing and using those intellectual property and lose, uh, using um, analytics to start to see how we can predict Mm -hmm. issues from occurring because we realized that there were patterns there's certain patterns in the network were occurring before an issue would occur mm -hmm. right so using those patterns uh, we used to call them digital signatures uh, using those patterns we could start to tell the customers that hey mr customer if you see these patterns in your network you may be hitting this problem so let's take an action to avoid that so mm -hmm. we can start to help our customers to avoid problems from occurring because troubleshooting, fast troubleshooting is good, but when the trouble doesn't occur, it's even better, right? So mm -hmm. that's, that was the other thing that we were doing. So we were going through that evolution. And then the most recent um, transformation that we did that, that I talked about two years ago is, is when we thought, okay, it's not just about the problem. It's not just about troubleshooting or, um, um, or avoiding the problem. We have to start right from when the customer purchases our solution. We have to help them design it well. And then, and we had professional services team that did the design, right? Mm -hmm. We already had that. But we didn't have um, anyone that really helped the customers to onboard the solution into their business mm -hmm. and build a plan on how to adopt and consume that within their business. Because customers would have, you know, would have had a business requirement, why, and that's the reason why they bought um, our solution for a certain outcome that they were thinking about. But we were not in there helping them. We were leaving it to the customers, right? Uh, and that's what that's the transformation that we did uh, two years ago when we moved um, from Cisco Services to customer experience was to bring professional services and technical services which we already had, but they were in um, siloed departments. Mm -hmm. Bring them together and then create customer success, what we call customer success, where we had the onboarding and adoption uh, capabilities. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're starting to see some really good um, outcomes um, and customers are starting to uh, give us some really good feedback, um, both in verbally as well as uh, from a business standpoint as well. Mm -hmm. So we, we can see some really good um, early signs. Yeah, I, and I, I think it's it's, such an important thing to talk about in terms of, you know, a few aspects. I mean, one is examining that customer journey often enough and carefully enough to recognize where those gaps exist, right? I think it's, it sounds very simple, but it companies get in, you know, just in the, the day, the day to day, and they don't always think to do that or take the time or resources to do that. Um, and to your point, you know, you had the professional services team. So, you know, uh, on the front end, and you had technical services there to help them in a later stage, but there was this big gap in between that was a fantastic opportunity for Cisco as a business to, to, 
to tackle. And then also, you know, a fantastic opportunity for you to endear yourself to your customers because you're fulfilling, you know, a, a very valid need that they have. Um, the other point that I think is, is important to touch on is, as you mentioned, um, the need when you look at the customer journey and when you look at customer experience to break down some of those silos, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I'm sure the professional service team was doing a fantastic job and I'm sure the technical services team was doing a fantastic job. But if, you know, if you don't have a function looking at that bigger picture and, and you know, really looking at it from that customer perspective of where those gaps are and how to fill them, you know, you can have a siloed operation where everyone's doing a great job, but it's still not creating, you know, a consistent, seamless customer experience. So. I think that's really interesting. Um, so, so as you've been on this journey um, in, in identifying these needs and working as a business to, you know, pivot and adapt to to restructure to be able to meet them, um, are there any lessons you've learned or or tips you would share for other organizations that are kind of doing this work of? you know, exploring the customer journey, you know, looking for opportunities to provide new and different services, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, definitely. I think um, one of the things that come to my mind is timing, because, um, you know, we had professional services and technical services, and they were both very successful businesses um, on their own, right? It, it was a um, separate organization, but very successful businesses. Uh, and, but we could see in the longer term that, uh, you know, we needed that customer success um, function as well. And we needed to bring the teams together. It was a very difficult decision, um, but we needed to make it at that time. And, um, you know, we couldn't afford to wait until these businesses started to slow down. So, mm -hmm. but as you can imagine at that time, when you have very successful, large businesses, it's hard to make that decision to, disrupt mm -hmm. because you're disrupting a lot of people, uh, a lot of organizations. Uh, and I, um, I think I, I once described it as um, we put everything into a box, shook it, turned mm -hmm. it upside down and then put it down. And then we started from there. Right. Mm -hmm. It sort of uh, felt that way at the time, but having that um, courage to disrupt early on, mm -hmm. uh, I think is really important. Um, it can be very risky and scary. Uh, but if you do that, then you, you know, you have a very strong business that's sort of slowing down, plateauing. Mm -hmm. um, but if you make that transformation uh, at the right time, then you can, um, you know, go through that uh, growth curve again. I think Absolutely. that's so the time. Yeah, timing is so important and having the courage to disrupt earlier is really important. Uh, and then um, it's all, it's all about people, you change mm -hmm. management, you know, because you know, services business is, uh, you know, our most important asset in our services business is our people, right? So we want to make sure that we talk about the why. Why are we doing this? So that people will buy into it. Uh, and it takes time. Some people mm -hmm. buy into it faster. Some people buy into it later. But it takes time. And we need to take everyone through that journey, um, through the change journey, um, and, and then uh, bring them along um, through that journey. Um, so... I think those two are probably the main things. Um, there's a lot of other things that you've got to be thinking about, the mm -hmm. timing and change management, just making sure that um, you bring the people along. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the timing point I really like because 
you know, I often say you can't just stay with the status quo, right? But I think that sometimes there's a um, interpretation of status quo as average, right? And in this case, the status quo was really good, right? And, and the status quo was going very well. So to your point, it becomes even more difficult to decide to disrupt that status quo because it's working well, right? Yeah. But if you recognize this opportunity for it to work even better, you know, to your point, you need to, to move when the time is right to, to realize the full value from, from doing that. So I think that's a really important point. Um, so as you've, as you've been on this journey the last few years with the, the new customer success function and, and your role with customer experience, um, there's a number of sort of trends that, that have surfaced that you've realized and are, are working around. Um, the first is, you know, we had a discussion and it relates to the introduction, the introduction of customer success because it's, it's, you know, basically the idea of customers wanting outcomes, you know, they, they don't necessarily want a product or a service, you know, they want peace of mind, they want business partners, solution providers. So, so tell us a little bit more about what you've seen as it relates to customers demanding outcomes. Yeah, uh, you know, we've seen a trend where we, you know, I think probably about up to about 10 years ago, uh, we were talking mainly to IT departments um, and selling to them. So we were mainly doing technology selling, you know, faster, um, you know, easier to use, easier to operate, you know, technology selling. Um, but what the, the trend we saw since that is, it's the business owners. So the business functions, not the IT departments, business functions and business owners were looking for solutions, uh, whether to uh, adopt within their organization or to adopt the technology solution that could help them to differentiate in against their competitors. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, banking is a great example. I think, you know, banking has gone through uh, during the last decade, they've gone through a huge transformation, right? Where, in the past, they used to have, you know, branches uh, with people everywhere. Um, a lot of the banks have much, uh, many less branches now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a lot of online banking and, and they're uh, enhancing that, uh, you know, all the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even the branches have become, you know, very digitized uh, sure. even when you walk into the branches. So you can see, you know, that sort of transformation. So we're now starting to talk to people that are not necessarily IT people, they're business people. So they mm -hmm. look for a certain outcome or a business solution. And we have to package our solutions in that way for mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Right? So that's from a product and um, services perspective. And then a product uh, hardware and software perspective. And then from a services pers uh, perspective, we have to do the same because the mm -hmm. company's moving in that direction. Solution selling. So that's why we have to introduce solution support um, and, and make sure that uh, you know, we're, we're not um, leaving the customers to uh, you know, go through the, the complexity. We want to hide the complexity, let the customers uh, allow them to focus on their business. So that's, um, that's one area. And then the other um, area that we see in terms of um, changing how the customers want to work with us is how they want to buy. In the past, they wanted mm -hmm. to buy and own. Uh, but we're seeing more and more customers not wanting to buy um, and own it, but they want to buy and pay as they go. 
or pay as they use. Yeah. Right? So that's the other model that um, we call a subscription model. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other model that uh, we see becoming more and more popular uh, amongst the customers because they have budget constraints. They don't want to um, you know, spend um, a large amount of capital upfront. They want to be able mm-hmm. to uh, stagger that. Um, so that's the other trend that we're seeing in, in terms yeah. of change. Yeah. yeah, I think that makes sense. And I often say, I mean, the future of service, I think, is learning how to master all of this complexity to present simplicity. I mean, that's that's what customers want. And I think that, you know, there is so much complexity on the back end for a company to deliver seamless, simple service and customer experience. Um, but getting good at that is is really, you know, what what needs to happen. Um, so so in, if I can, yeah, if I yeah. can jump in, I mean, talk, in terms of um, outcomes and solutions, I think um, last nine months has been really interesting mm-hmm. uh, because of COVID-19. Uh, and those required um, some solutions that, um, you know, we never thought about before, mm-hmm. like um, remote workforce, working from home solutions, right. uh, yeah, secure connectivity. Um, and now the solutions that customers are asking for is return to the office mm-hmm. solutions. Right? So those type of solutions. So uh, it's not, it's not technology solutions anymore. I mean, it's made up of made, made up of technology. But solutions right. are real business um, outcomes that the customers are looking for now. Yes, yes. And I think, um, you know, that's another good point. You know, I was I was talking to a company a couple of months ago and, and he was um, kind of venting, you know, and, and saying, I'm just really frustrated because we've we've deployed IoT and no one's buying it, you know, and I said, well, I mean, have you thought about that's because your cust- your customers don't care if you're using IoT. You know, I mean, it, that doesn't matter to them. That's not, you know, they care about what pain of theirs that can solve, you know? So it's just, it is, it's interesting when you really dig into how this world is evolving and, and the level of complexity companies have to take on to evolve and be successful, because it isn't just it isn't just technology. It's it's how you sell. It's how you market. It's it's how you're operationally structured. You know, I mean, there's so many different aspects of it. Um, I find it really interesting and exciting, which is why I love what I do. But um, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of hard work. You know, to to yeah. keep up with with the way things are changing and what customers are are demanding. Um, so you've mentioned a couple times since we've been speaking today um, that one of probably arguably the most important um, ingredient to all of this is people, right? So to your point, you can have this great vision. If you don't have change management, it's going nowhere. You can have the best technology. If people aren't on board, it's not going to help, right? So, so we know that people are absolutely imperative to companies accomplishing this mission and being able to deliver the customer experience you want. Um, And one of the questions that comes up um, a lot right now is around the issue of recruiting and hiring and retaining good talent, Um, because not only is it important, but it's increasingly, you know, difficult to to come by. Um, So tell us a bit about, you know, your thoughts on people as it relates to customer experience and, and how Cisco is tackling you know, the whole hiring, developing and retaining of, of good talent. Yeah, so I'll start with hiring. Uh, I think um, 
our hiring processes um, have evolved over time as well. And at the moment, um, you know, we're really focusing on uh, making sure that we bring in, we tap into the diverse diversity uh, because, you know, you know, let's look at gender diversity, for example. We don't have that many female IT engineers. There's, there are very few, uh, as, which means we're missing out on half the world's talent, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just making sure that we, tap into and uh, can bring in um, the whole talent, uh, whether it's gender diversity or whether it's, um, um, you know, cultural diversity. Uh, so what we're doing at the moment is um, trying something called um, blind interviews, mm -hmm. right? Just not knowing what the background or, you know, any of the other, just looking at the skills and experience and, 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 and so forth. And that's working out really well. And that's helping for us to um, uh, hire uh, and tap into uh, the much more diverse workforce and, mm -hmm. and bring them in, uh, which is uh, which has been working really well. And then I think once uh, once we bring people into the company, I think what we need to do is we need to create an environment where it's um, you, you're not working like a robot because mm -hmm. you know one of the challenges that we had in um, um, that. 10, 15 years ago, in the early times of, you know, when I joined, is technical assistance center can easily be um, seen as a call center, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but engineers don't like uh, working in a call center. They mm -hmm. want to be innovating. They want to be troubleshooting. They want to be creative. They want to be empowered, right? So trying to create that environment where the engineers feel like they're coming in, they're growing, they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're innovating, that's really important, but, but they still need to you know, pick up the phone and talk to the customer and help the customer, but in an environment where it doesn't feel like a call center, it feels like a place where they're innovating and they're really um, empowered to make decisions. So mm -hmm. that's the other um, area that we try to really um, you know, create so that our technical assistants and engineers um, don't feel like a call center agent and working off scripts, but they're really empowered um, to uh, to support the customers. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are processes and tools and trainings that we uh, provide to our engineers because we also need to make sure that the, uh, the experience that our customers uh, have with our uh, tech technical assistance center is consistent, right? Sure. We can't have like inconsistent levels of, in the early days, we used to have that, you know, customer would talk to engineer A, have a great experience, talk to engineer B, um, not so great experience. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we sort of uh, make, make, make that more consistent through trainings, um, you know, soft skills trainings and things like that. But mm -hmm. you could still have a consistent, uh, you can still provide a consistent experience, but also provide an environment where engineers are feel like, feeling like they're innov innovating and they're, um, they're empowered. Um, and then the other one is, I think, um, fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, just making sure that, uh, you know, people are having fun as they come in um, is also important. I mean, you know, some, some people may say, you know, it doesn't work, doesn't have to be fun. You, know, you, can, have, you can have fun mm -hmm. outside, but if work can be fun, it's so much more better, right? Yeah. So creating that environment where people can come in and enjoy, enjoy each other's company, Mm -hmm. uh, um, work hard, but also have fun. I think that's um, so important. So creating that sort of environment um, <clears throat> through, it's not, it's not always just, um, you know, fun events. I think mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, the, the culture that uh, the company creates, 
the culture that the, um, the managers creates for their uh, each, uh, you know, their teams. It's also really important um, uh, to, to, for the engineers to come in and feel like they're, they're being valued and they, they, they're enjoying uh, where mm -hmm. they come in. Uh, and then, um, you know, the other one is just creating a lot of different growth opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, like I've personally gone through you know, right. making sure that if you want it, there are many different opportunities there are. And, um, you know, Cisco is uh, one of the companies that's a global company. Um, luckily, we can provide a lot of different opportunities, whether mm -hmm. it's, a, you know, different function, different city, different country depending on what people want to do, what they want to work towards. Of course, mm -hmm. you don't just get it, you have to work towards it. But if you sure. want to work towards it, there is an opportunity to do uh, other, there are many opportunities to do other things. So I think those, um, all of those things come together to provide that environment where once people come in, you know, they don't necessarily want to leave because, you know, everything is provided here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a, a really good point. Um, and, and like you said, you're a good testament of, you know, Cisco's ability to create that environment that, that people want to stay in. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's really good. Um, I've written a few articles in, in my time talking about, you know, the correlation between employee engagement and employee satisfaction and the customer experience, you know, so it's, I, I think sometimes when companies go down the customer experience path, they can do so at the cost of also focusing on the, you know, the employee experience and, and what do their employees need. And, and it is really important to consider how big of a piece of the puzzle it is because, you know, you, you can't rely on, you know, disconnected, you know, unhappy people to deliver this amazing experience to your customers, you know? I think, um, I think that's a really good point because, um, you know, when I was um, working in the technical assistance center and managing the team there, um, you, you sometimes think that customers, because you're on the phone, that you're not seeing each other. Mm -hmm. um, customers may not know how that, how the engineer is feeling, mm -hmm. but they know. If oh, the sure. engineer is empowered, is passionate, is happy, they know. Yes. If the engineer is not happy, they know as well. So yeah, making and sure that engineers are really motivated, really empowered, mm -hmm. happy is so important. And to your point, you know, yes, that comes through. You know, if you can create an environment, like you said, yes, you want to have standards and you want to have expectations, but then give these people the, the freedom to be themselves a bit and to, to be engaged. And, you know, that's what makes them committed and, and into what they're doing. And that a thousand percent comes through, you know? Yep. Um, so I, I think that's a really good point. I want to talk a little bit about some of the trends you've seen related to um, how different technologies play a role in uh, the customer experience. Um, so we've touched on a few, but, but let's go back through and, and just talk a bit. So we talked about um, an increase in acceptance of remote support uh, mm -hmm. as well as self-service. Um, so tell us a little bit what you're seeing related to, you know, maybe a change in perception from the customer side of the value of those tools and, and how it can benefit them. Yeah, so uh, um, self-service, um, the, the benefit of self-service is you don't have to wait in the phone queue. Mm -hmm. You can just go in, search for solutions, and the solutions are there. Uh, and I think uh, as the younger generations come into the workforce, 
they're more used to that type of um, activity, you know, online activity. So I think that that really suits, um, suits them really well, right? So mm -hmm. self-service is becoming bigger and bigger and that really helps us to run a much, much more efficient operations mm -hmm. because we can solve um, a bulk of the, the customer queries through self-service, online mm -hmm. self-service, right? Um, uh, remote uh, delivery, um, that's also really important because in the past, everyone wanted to do things face-to-face. -face. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone said, come on site, come on site, meet me face-to-face. -face. Um, but with, um, with you know, some of the tools that we have, like, um, you know, we, we have in Cisco, we have our Cisco WebEx tool, mm -hmm. uh, which is a similar one to what we're using now. And, um, you know, we use that to have meetings with our customers, um, discussion, whiteboarding, mm -hmm. troubleshooting, uh, sharing information. All of that um, can occur through there. And especially during the COVID-19 um, situation when no one could travel, this has become um, a, a sort of an opportunity, a huge opportunity for us to demonstrate the capabilities of these tools that we had, mm -hmm. right? And again, it allows us to be more efficient, provide mm -hmm. a better um, re, um, ROI to the customer as well. And the other thing that, um, it does is also if you if you focus on on-site and face-to-face -face delivery or face-to-face -face engagements you can only tap into your local resources mm -hmm. but cisco being a global company we have experts all over the place and when right. we have the remote capability now we can start to bring in the best talent from all around the world for that customer mm -hmm. right so I think that's the other opportunity that um, this, this brings up. You can tap into the top talent everywhere, anywhere, right? Um, of course, you have to watch the time zones, um, but right. um, yeah. But that's the other uh, 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 big advantage that it opens up that I see. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a people person and I really miss, um, you know, face-to-face -face events and all of that. But I do absolutely agree that, you know, this situation has kind of forced folks to realize how much can be done remotely, you know, and, and so there's certainly a time and place for, you know, seeing people in person and all of that. But it is, it is interesting how there's a little, a little, well, not a little bit, a lot more openness to some of these things than there was just a very short time ago. Um, yeah, I, I don't think um, technology, you know, no matter how good the video conferencing technologies, I don't think will ever, you know, 100% replace face to face. I think, mm -hmm. you know, humans need that human interaction. Right. That's always going to be there. But I think, like the self service has played a role in making us more efficient, I think this will do that as well. And we'll, mm -hmm. we'll be able to provide a much better service um, using these tools. Yeah. But it will never re replace 100% face to face. When you were talking about self service, you know, I was thinking, um, it's such a delicate balance to get right. You know, I mean, the, the role you're in and, and just the, the jobs that, that play a part in that customer experience, you know, like you want to make them feel empowered to solve problems on their own when they want to, but boy, when they want to talk to someone, someone needs, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm thinking of, um, I don't want to name any names because that's not nice, but, uh, but I'm thinking of a, 
you know, a service experience I had not too long ago where I had an issue and, and no matter how frustrated you are, you can't get someone on the phone, you know, and, and while I would rather do, um, you know, self-service, if it gets to that point, you know, and then you don't have the help you need, it's just incredibly frustrating. So it's a, it's a big puzzle of making sure that, you know, whatever your customer wants, you know, however they want to interact and, and whatever those preferences are, you know, you're there to, to meet those needs. Um, so. Yeah, I think, the, I think the key is giving our customers a choice on how they want to interact with us and whatever, they, whatever method they choose, we need to be there ready. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we have self-services, uh, self-service option, it doesn't mean that we, we can start to neglect uh, the technic, you know, the, the phone calls, right? right? We need to make sure that if the customer want to call us, you know, we're, we're there and we're picking up the phone quickly and we're responding back to them you know, quickly. We need to make sure. And we continue to look at uh, time to pick up and time to um, respond uh, stats so that mm-hmm. we can ensure that we have enough people there to uh, support those customers when they need to call us as well. So right. I mean, that's, the balance that yeah so mm-hmm. important that balance like you said it's it's taking on all of that complexity so that when a customer wants to self-serve or they want to call or or whatever you know someone's there um but when you think about what's going on in the back end you know it's it's pretty impressive um so i also wanted to to talk a little bit about you know you had talked about um Cisco's move toward predictive service and and all of the data you have at this point and being able to notice those patterns and start to work with customers to predict some of the issues you know will likely arise. Um, How do you see your use of, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, big data? um, How do you see that expanding in the coming, you know, couple of years? I think um, that's going to, I think the word I would use would be that's going to explode. I think you know, that's going to be a huge opportunity to leverage AI and intellectual property and the data that we have and combine that together. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so powerful. Um, and it's, again, similar to self-service and remote. This is going to be another tool that's going to help us to provide our customers with much, much better solution, much, much mm-hmm. more consistent and uh, um, data-based um, support that our customers are looking for, reliable support that our customers are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, similar to self-service and remote support, uh, I, I don't think AI will ever 100% displace people mm-hmm. because people are you know, always going to be at the core because once the uh, automation or AI comes in and comes up with a solution, there's got to be some people that sort of goes um, through that and analyzes that and makes that relevant for their customer because every customer is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, their environment, depending on where they, you know, what country they're in, what business uh, vertical they're in and, and what market their, um, their customer bases are, they're all very different. So mm-hmm. it, you know, there's always got to be that, um, you know, the people there and, and customers always want to have the choice of being able to talk to the, talk to people as well as we just right. talked about. So, but I think the um, AI part is going to explode and it's going to be a huge opportunity for us and for our customers as well. Yeah. And, you know, when you start thinking about 
when you draw the parallels between outcomes-based service and predictive analytics, you know, I mean, there is no better outcome than a customer just having peace of mind that their systems are going to continue working, right? So, I mean, it's it's sort of the ultimate outcome. So, the more capable um, companies can get in leveraging that data they have to to really analyze where those failure points often are, and you know, really get ahead of those things. You know, it's it's um, making strides and delivering the best possible outcomes that that people are going to be willing to to pay for. Yeah, and, and it's going to be so much more important because technology is becoming more and more complex, although mm -hmm. like on the surface, um, you know, when you use it, it's making life so much easier uh, mm -hmm. or making businesses so much more competitive that, you know, they can differentiate. But at the back end, how the technology comes together is so complex mm -hmm. right? um, and you need to make sure that um, you know you have the right people to you know be able to put that together but you know having AI having all the different tools to help go through the complexity is going to be really important mm -hmm. as well because yeah you know these days when you look at one solution it's not just um, just one technology there's uh, you know there could be the networking network that needs to be put together. And then there's mm -hmm. got to be security. Uh, and then there's got to be some data center um, uh, ability. And then there's got to be virtualization ability. Mm -hmm. And then there's got to be collaboration, video conferencing. All, they need to come together to form a solution um, that, uh, that provides that business outcome for the customer, right? Right. So uh, it's, and it's going to get even more complex as we go, because these mm -hmm. things will probably, even the customer solutions will have things like AI and automation that come in and um, start to bring all these different uh, technologies together. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I sometimes, um, you know, feel a little bit sorry for our engineers because when we go into, uh, when I used to troubleshoot, mm -hmm. there were maybe two or three products in a solution. Mm -hmm. Now <laughs> when our engineers go into troubleshoot, there's many, many different products and they need to understand that. And, it's not easy for one, one or uh, two engineers to understand it, um, everything. So they need to work together. Mm -hmm. And when you can have things like AI and automation tools come in and help our engineers, mm -hmm. it makes it so much better. So um, complexity is w uh, another reason why um, AI is going to be so important and automation yeah. is going to be so important. Yeah. To your point, um, you know, it frees them up to to work on the things that, you know, if you can automate some of the more simple things, it, it frees yeah. them up to work on the things that that their expertise, you know, really is needed for. Um, so last question, say, is um, what's the biggest lesson you as a customer experience leader have learned um, that you think others could benefit from hearing? Um, if I, the first one is, um, listening to customers, um, you know, that's where everything starts from, right? Mm -hmm. We need to, you know, continue to talk to customers and listen to them because mm -hmm. their needs are always changing. The requirements are always changing and you need to be able to move, um, with that. That's, that will be the number one thing. And then number two would be look after your people. Uh, mm -hmm. Make sure that, um, you know, you hire the best people, you know, train them and retain them um, and help them to grow within the company. 
because motivated engineers will look after motivated employees will look after your customers, right? Mm -hmm. So that's um, that's uh, so important. And then the third one would be um, you know continue to disrupt. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy, especially when you have a very successful business, right? But you have to continue to disrupt, especially in the in the um, technology area that um, you know I work in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that that you um, spoke earlier about timing and you know having the courage to to take those chances. I think that's a really good message for folks. Um, and and certainly, I think there's. Um, a lot of organizations that have really good intentions on customer experience, but they, they start to go down these paths on a lot of assumptions um, versus, you know, actually talking to the customers and not only talking to them, but listening and really hearing what they're saying. So it sounds like, you know, kind of customer experience, listen to your customers, you know, it, it should automatically go together, but um, unfortunately, that is not always the case, and it is uh, it is imperative. Um, and of course, we talked about you know how critically important people are in making this all um, making this all happen. So, very good advice, very good insights. Say, I really appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was great. Thank you. For more content, be sure to check us out at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.